Hey, I'm Phil. Thanks for checking out this message today. We're glad you're here and we would love to get connected with you and your family. So one easy way that you can do that is to text River Connect to 97000. You can also visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and some upcoming events. Lastly, if you would like to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount that you want to give to 84321 or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you enjoyed today's message. So we ought to be honest. After last week, and I'll let you know, we're going to be diving into this series on relapse. I wasn't so sure many people were going to show up, right? So I didn't know what I was going to expect in terms of attendance tonight, but I'm glad to see so many of you here excited to dive into the Word of the Lord. Right, And we've been talking about this idea of relapse. We've been talking about how we should look at relapse, right? Sometimes, you know, we, we try and avoid talking about things that we're uncomfortable with or we're scared of or we're concerned about. And we just, we just don't want to talk about it. We don't want to deal with it. We want to pretend like it's not there, like maybe it didn't happen or it never could happen. But the reality is it does. And so we have to deal with it. We have to look at what scripture has to say about relapse, whether it's, you know, our own relapse, whether it's, you know, trying to prevent relapse in our lives, or maybe the relapse of a loved one that we care about and how to support them and love them, right? And the truth about relapse is relapse always starts with one thing, temptation, right? The desire that we have to go back. You know, that feeling inside where we're just being pulled, we're drawn back to the very thing that we've been trying to resist. And so in order to look at relapse and to understand how to avoid it and resist it, we have to deal with temptation. We have to figure out how to respond in the face of temptation, how to handle, deal with the temptations that come in our lives. And tonight, we're going to be looking at an instance where Jesus experienced temptation. But before we jump in tonight, let's pray together if you'd bow your heads with me. Lord, Lord, we love you. Lord, we're so incredibly thankful for your word and the, the truth that it holds and the understanding that it brings. Lord, and I pray that tonight you would give us that understanding. You would give me clarity as I preach your word. And you'd give us all understanding as we dive in. Lord, we love you. In your precious holy name, Jesus' name, amen. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, uh, Matthew chapter 4 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. Matthew chapter 4, 1 through 11 is one of my favorite passages in the Bible. And you say, Justin, I've been around recovery and I've heard you say that about a lot of passages. What did you expect? I'm a pastor. I have a lot of favorite passages of Scripture. But Matthew chapter 4, truthfully, is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. And truthfully, it's, it's one of my all-time favorites for two main reasons. First of all, We see this is an instance where Jesus experiences temptation. And a lot of times, the way that sometimes we view temptation is we look at temptation and we think that temptation itself is sinful. Like I'm bad, like I'm a bad Christian or I'm a terrible person because I am tempted to do something. 
right? That somehow the, the, the desire to, to sin is, te- that temptation is sin itself. And that isn't the case. And we see specifically in this passage that being the case because Jesus is perfect. Jesus never sinned. That's why he is the perfect sacrifice for our sins because he never sinned. And so if we see that Jesus was tempted in the wilderness and he was perfect, we can understand from that that temptation isn't sin. But that what determines whether we sin or not is how we respond to that temptation. And that leads me to my second favorite reason, or my second reason that this is my, one of my favorite passages in Scripture, is in this passage, in Matthew chapter 4, we are given the formula on how to conquer the temptations that come our way. We see the right response to temptation in our lives. So like I said, turn with me to Matthew chapter four. We're gonna be reading verses one through 11 and I'm gonna be chopping it up and explaining some things as we read, but we're gonna read. So I'd encourage you either read with me on the screen behind me or read with me in your word. It says this, Matthew chapter four, one through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And I love those two verses in, 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 like just together because here we really see the humanity of Jesus, right? Sometimes we can get in our mind that, you know, yeah, you know, we're told that Jesus was like born to earth and that he was a human, but like, was he really, you know, like he was God, you know, like, did he really have to go through what we did? Yes, he was both 100% God and 100% man. If you ask me the fine details of how that all worked together, I'm just going to tell you, I don't fully understand it. But here we see a great picture. He was led into the wilderness. He was tempted, right? And what happens? Why, why was he finding himself at weakness? Why was he being tempted? Well, the Holy Spirit sent him there so that he could be met by Satan, Satan could tempt him, and he could resist. And then what do we see? It says he was out in the wilderness, and he was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. So he wasn't eating. He was spending that time in deep prayer and deep time with God in his word, and he was not eating once again. And, and we see the very simple explanation for how that left him. Hungry, Right? He was hungry. He had a very basic need as a human, and he was hungry. He was physically weak. And so he was going into this situation very weak, but at the same time strong spiritually because of the time that he had spent fasting devoted to the Lord. And we continue. Verse 3. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God... Command these stones to become loaves of bread. And so we see Satan shows up and the very first thing he does is appeal to this very physical, basic need that Jesus had. He said, okay, you've been out here 40 days and 40 nights and you haven't eaten. You're hungry. I can see that you're hungry. So if you're hungry, command these stones to become bread and eat. 
Eat. Satisfy your hunger. Show me. And this is how Jesus responded. Verse 4. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then he continues. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him at the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you, lest you strike your foot against stone. And Jesus said to him again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. And again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and all their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, the angels came and were ministering to him. And so we see this, this very, this incredible picture of this intense time of temptation, right? Where Satan comes and he appeals to the need of Jesus, and then he tries to tempt Jesus to show off and flaunt his power, and then he tries to give Jesus something that doesn't even belong to him, right? He shows up and he's trying to entice Jesus to trip him up, to lead him into sin. And really, we see that there's this intense spiritual war, this battle that's going on between Satan and between Jesus, Right Between the tempter and the one who is perfect, the son of God. But instead of this epic battle that happens with swords and spears, right? It's this even more incredible battle that deals with truth and lies. Right? And the weapon that we see Jesus wield to overcome the tempter, overcome these temptations, he wields the truth found in Scripture. He looks to the very words of God in Scripture. And specifically, every time he answers Satan, right, where Satan shows up and he tests and he tempts and he tries to convince Jesus towards sin, we see he immediately answers back with Scripture. Three separate temptations and three separate times that Jesus references Scripture. And in particular, he's referencing the Old Testament law. He's referencing the law of God. And we see the first one he references is, is, is a passage in Deuteronomy 8. And then he references Deuteronomy 6, 16. And then at the end, he finishes with Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 13. If you want to go and read those, we're not going to read them. But because that's exactly what he says, right? When Jesus combats he uses the very words of Scripture. And so we see in this this intense moment, right? This intense combat that's happening between Jesus, who is fighting the temptation that is coming from Satan, he uses this truth that comes from God's word. And so as we look and we experience temptation in our lives, 
Whether it's from our flesh, whether it's from outside forces, whether it's from people in our lives who are trying to trip us up or, or lead us into temptation, whatever it may be, whether it's your addiction or whether it's you know, a multitude of different sins or things that you're wrestling with, we see that the best possible way to combat sin, to combat temptation, to deal with the temptation in your life is using God's word. Using the word of God. Actually going to scripture and using God's word. It's funny. A lot of times, you know, people will come and they'll ask to meet with me or they'll sit down and they'll start talking to me and they'll be like, Justin, you know, I'm really trying to work through my, my relationship with the Lord, right? And I'm really trying to understand him more and, and get to know him more. And, and I'm trying to be better about avoiding the sin in my life and, and following him and obeying him. Or they'll come and they'll say, Justin, I, you know, I'm really finding myself struggling with temptation or I'm struggling, you know, to fight against uh, you know, my addiction or the things that I'm dealing with in my life, what is the best thing that I could do in my life to help with those things? And number one, I say salvation, right? If you do not know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you are walking a hopeless path. He is the only salvation. There is one road to heaven. There is one road to freedom. There is one road to truth. And it is through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And only through confessing with your mouth and believing in your heart that he is Lord, that he is the one that you will follow, that will lead your life, only through there will you find salvation. So that's number one. If you haven't done that, then everything else is hopeless. I hate to break it to you. I hate to be that blunt. But truthfully, that is, it's hopeless if you don't have salvation. But the second thing I always say is, the best thing that you can do, start reading God's word. Open up your Bible and start to read it. Understand it. Look to what it says. And almost, I would say like, I'll, I'll be generous. Like 75% of the time, you know, I get an eye roll. Like, you know, of course the pastor tells me to say that, right? Like, Justin, you're a pastor. You have to tell me to read, like, to read my Bible. Like, like somehow I get paid commission if you go home and read your Bible. Here's a newsflash. I don't. I don't get paid commission if you go home and read your Bible. I actually believe that if you read your Bible, you will have a deeper, more intimate relationship with the God of this universe. And that in your walk with Christ and in your fight against temptation, you will have even greater success. Why? Because this is your tool. This is your weapon. This is your defense. The word of God is these things. That's exactly how Christ uses the word of God right here in this specific example. He dismantles the argument of Satan. Even when Satan tries to quote scripture, Jesus dismantles the lie and manipulation that he uses scripture for with the truth of scripture. 
He defends himself in a vulnerable position by asserting the very thing that he lives for, the word of God. It is our tool. It is our weapon. It is our defense. It is necessary. I don't say that just because, you know, like, for some reason, like I said, I, it's not like I get paid commission. I say it because I believe it, because I've seen it in my life, because I've seen it in so many lives of individuals who look and they say, man, I was really struggling with my walk with Christ. I had no passion. I had no motivation. I had no understanding. And then you know what I did? I started to read his word and things changed. That is the truth. And truthfully, Scripture actually demonstrates this. It says, this is the way. Look, turn with me to Psalm 119. In Psalm 119, it is this brilliant passage because here's the thing. Scripture is consistent. So we see Jesus uses the word of God in this way. Let's look in Psalm 119, thousands of years before Jesus, where he says, here's the way you deal with temptation. Psalm 119. We're going to be in ver- starting in verse 9. It says this. Psalm 118.9. How can a young man keep his way pure? That's the basic question here. How can I stay pure? How can I resist temptation? How can I stay devoted to the Lord? That's the question that this passage starts off with. And then here's what happens. We get an answer. Here is the answer. By guarding it according to your word. Right? There's this very simple and basic truth here, right? You want to stay devoted to the Lord? You want to guard yourself against temptation? You want to flee from the sin that has consumed your life, that has held you captive. How can you do that? Guard your way according to God's word. Now I say simple, but that's not easy. Right? There's been, there's been plenty of times where we've gone to God's word and I'm like, whoa, I have no idea what this is saying, right? That's me. I, I've been there, right? As a pastor, there's some times where I read stuff and I'm like, you know, I'm going to have to read that like two, five, ten more times. It's just not clicking in my brain. It's, it's difficult. It's difficult for a multitude of reasons because sometimes it's hard to understand because it requires commitment and discipline. It requires going out of your way. It requires setting your priorities straight. It requires trusting in something outside of your own work and understanding. But he continues. He says, Here is the best way. He elaborates. He says, all right, if you want to stay pure, here's how you do it. Guard yourself according to God's word. And then he elaborates on what that means. Continue. Verse 10. With my whole heart, I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I've stored up your word in my heart. That I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. 
With my lips, I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies, I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. You know, sometimes when we we look at God's word and and we talk about reading God's word, sometimes we think quantity over quality, right? Like, oh, you know, here's how I'm going to do it. I'm just going to read a chapter a day and then I should be good, right? And, And when we talk about reading scripture, right, it's, it's this relationship with the Lord. It's understanding the Lord. And if we want to look at the context of a relationship, look at the context of a marriage relationship, right? If I were to treat my relationship with my wife the same way as that, it'd be like, all right, I'm going to just information dump everything on my wife as quick as I can to get it over with, and then I'm going to go about the rest of my day. Would that make for a very good relationship? No, not at all. Why? Because there's, there's no sense of, of personality. There's no sense of understanding. There's no sense of care or delight in, in that. And the same thing is true of God's word. We have to take time to intentionally spend it in God's word. But then on the flip side, I love that he finishes this, this verse in, in verse 6, or this section of verses in, with verse 16, it says this, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. And when I read that verse, my mind immediately goes to Scripture memorization. Memorizing the word of God, right? Scripture calls the word of God, it, it references it as a sword, Okay, And I want us to picture that for a second. Because is a sword any use to its wielder if it's left at home on the bookshelf? No, right? If it's left on the mantelpiece at home, is it any use in a time of need? No. It's best used when it's strapped at its wielder's side, ready for a time of danger or a time of threat. That's what temptation is in your life. Temptation is a time of danger and threat, of spiritual danger and spiritual threat, pulling you towards sin. If you want to be ready to conquer temptation when it comes your way, you have to have the word of God strapped to your hip. How does that happen? Scripture memorization. Right, we, we, we like to think, you know, maybe you grew up in the church and, and you're like, man, scripture memorization, that's like only an Awana thing, right? That, that's for the kids, you know, downstairs so they can get their little trophy so they can say their verses and then forget them. No, scripture memorization is necessary for your lives. It's not to like earn something or to be, oh, look at me, I, I, can, I can know scripture and I have it memorized so I can just spout it to impress people. No, it's the sword at your side. When you don't have your Bible right in your hands, but you feel the temptation coming your way, you can turn to places in Scripture and immediately combat 
the lies of Satan, the lies of your flesh, the lies of those outside of you with the truth of God's word. And so here's the thing. You have to form a reliance on God's word. Right? You want to look at your your. Your, uh, your addiction, right? You want to look at your, your walk through recovery, right? You have formed a reliance on whatever it is in your life. That's why that temptation is so strong. And how did you form that alliance or that reliance? You used. You went to that thing over and over and over and you formed this dependence. So, if you want to shift to being dependent on the word of God, to be reliant on the word of God. How do you do that? Use the word of God. Turn to the word of God over and over and over. Use the word of God so that you can rely on it. And sometimes that's gonna mean forcing yourself there. Sometimes it's gonna mean, man, I gotta... I got to settle down and do this. Maybe you got to put it in your calendar. There's a period in my life where my, my dad, he was, he was really, really trying to take steps towards knowing the Lord. And the way that he did it, he, he said, you know what? If, if I'm saying I really want to know the Lord, I got to be reading scripture. And what he did was, he said, I have to force myself to do it. I'm not naturally going to want to do it. I, 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 you know, I've tried to set goals for myself. It just doesn't work. I'm going to have to force myself to do it, to force myself to rely on Scripture. So what did he do? He said, I will not set my Bible down today until I read it. So he would go through his whole day, right? It would be sitting on his nightstand. He'd wake up, grab it. And until he read it, he would not set it down. He, he, he worked in a computer company for a long time, setting up computers. So he'd walk into business meetings, right? Trying to sell people computers for their business. And he'd be holding his Bible. And he'd walk in and sit down and he'd be holding his Bible. And they're like, what's going on? He's like, oh, I haven't read my Bible today, so. And they're like, What? And he's like, no, 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 this is, like, this is really important to me. I, I need to be reading my Bible, and, and I've committed to this, right? He said, this is a need. If the need for the word of God is extreme in your life, you will go to extreme measures to make sure you have it. That's the truth. If you want scripture bad enough, you will figure out how to make it a priority in your life. Now, I'm not saying you need to walk through your day and not set it down. Maybe you do. Maybe the Holy Spirit's convicting some of you right now that you need to not set your Bible down until you read it. But I'm not saying that is the way for you. But I'm saying if you want to start relying on the word of God, if you see right here through this interaction between Jesus and Satan, this intense time of temptation where he combated the temptation he was faced with the word of God, if you see the need and you want to be able to face the need in your life to fight temptation, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out how to get the Bible regular in your life. You got to figure it out. 
You got to start practicing it. You got to make it regular. You got to rely on God's word. Because if you try and go on your own, you're going to fail. Satan has his tools too. Satan has his weapons too. And if you try and go up against him barehanded just by gritting your teeth and just fighting your way through it, you will fall. But this weapon is superior to all of his. It always conquers. Because it is truth. And so tonight, I want to encourage you. Start. Start. Start figuring out what it means to read God's word. Maybe for you, you don't even have a Bible. Here, I got, that's a good, I got some good news for you. I got Bibles. I'll get you a Bible. Come ask me. I will get you a Bible in your hands tonight. I have it. If you need a Bible, I have a Bible for you. Maybe that's where you take your first step. Or maybe for you, it, it's, it's like, man, uh, sometimes I read the Bible, but I don't really understand it. Here's the great thing about table groups. There's other people trying to understand it too. So maybe grab one or two people in your table group and say, hey, we're going we're gonna to read through this section of Scripture and we're going to text about it or talk about it. Or maybe set up a group, maybe of a couple people who are near to you who you could be reading with. Set up, you know, a devo on 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 either the River Church website or, or on version app or on something, maybe pick up a Devo. I could recommend a Devo to you if that's something you're looking to that kind of helps you make that a regular thing in your life. Maybe ask your table leader to like text you every day and be like, hey, have you read your Bible today? No? All right, come on. You got it. You can do it. Have some accountability. But there is a need for scripture, right? We see that through this passage in, in Matthew chapter 4 and Psalm 119. Throughout the whole of scripture, we see that it says this is necessary. The word of God is necessary in your life. So we got to figure out how to make it part of our walk. So I want to encourage you. Maybe you need prayer. Maybe you need ideas. Maybe you need to talk to someone. Maybe you need to start that relationship with Christ Jesus tonight. There's going to be table years down here. I'll be walking around. We can pray with you. We can answer questions. We can encourage you. Maybe we can give you a suggestion of somewhere to start in your Bible. Whatever it looks like, don't stay wandering on your own. Don't stay fighting temptation bare-knuckled. Pick up this tool, pick up this weapon, pick up this defense against temptation, against relapse, and use it. Let's pray together. Lord, tonight I'm just so incredibly thankful for your word. Lord, I am so incredibly thankful that you've given us this letter Lord, a love letter to us. A way to understand the the good news of the gospel. A guide in our lives, a roadmap to understanding. 
a way to understand who you are, a tool, a light, a refuge. Lord, a stream to drink from all these things, Lord, you have given us in your word. Lord, I pray that we would see it as the necessary thing it is. Lord, a way to hear from you. Lord, and I pray for my friends in this room that that they would not leave and get distracted. That they would not leave and go back to the same priorities. Lord, but they would tonight say, I need to figure out how to be in your word, Lord. Lord, I pray for maybe that person here tonight who doesn't have salvation, who, who's never accepted the gospel, who hasn't made you Lord of their life. I pray that your Holy Spirit would move them and prompt them towards asking some questions, toward learning about that. Lord, they would understand that that salvation comes from you alone. Lord, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for salvation. We ask all these things. We thank you for all these things. In our Lord and Savior's name, Jesus Christ, amen.